Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Chris, and this is Paris. Hey, what's up? And this week we read The Overton Window by Glenn Beck. Yeah, it was um, more entertaining than I expected, actually. Kind of. But first of all, let's talk a little bit about what we're supposed to be doing here. Okay. Um, so we're a pair of friends that read sometimes. I try to read <laughs> as often as I can, which isn't very as often as I would like. Before bed, maybe. Um, sometimes during the day, but usually before bed. To make myself fall asleep. Uh, lots of fantasy novels, usually what I read, some nonfiction. Uh, I'm not exactly, you know, the person that reads the most books ever or, you know, an English critic or yeah, a literary no. critic of any sort. Uh, right. My degree is in music, which uh, isn't very useful here, I would say. Yeah, I mean... We're both musicians, but we're both also avid readers as much as uh, Chris likes to downplay his reading. I think we read a fair amount, more than most people. Uh, enough. Yeah. But the aim of this podcast is to read some books and then talk about the books, and maybe they're not so great books. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the point is just to force ourselves to read books that we would never touch otherwise, and just to get a different perspective on literature. A different perspective? Yeah, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're just reading the same stuff over and over again, you're just going to think everything else is garbage, and that's the point. We picked books that we thought would be garbage, and probably, you know, most of them are, but I would say this one was pleasantly surprising. Actually, it kind of was. It yeah. wasn't the worst book. Exactly. Like, it wasn't the worst book I've ever read. I, I read worse of, books. I kind of hated myself for enjoying it. I was like, I know I should not be enjoying this. This is awful. This is Glenn Maybe Beck. we have no. to restart this whole podcast and call it, like, the average book club. Yeah, like, I don't know. Or, you know, it's an no, okay I th- book. I think... I think the expectation is that it will be terrible, and sometimes we are pleasantly surprised, like today. Um, so The Overton Window, we chose it because Glenn Beck was its author. Although after reading you know, the prologue and the afterword, it seems like he had three helpers who may or may not have written the book. Wait, what's wrong with Glenn Beck? Well, nothing's really wrong with him. I just think that you know neither of us really follow you or should or... watch his show. He has some things to say. <laughs> no, I think about someti- America. Sometimes he has some things to say, and most of the time I just ignore him. So that's why we chose this book because like that one time when he said two plus two was four, I learned a lot. No, not when I watched he, that one. He said two plus two was five, right? Oh no, 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 he said four, and then it was supposed to be mind blowing or something, right? I don't know why. I, I don't remember now. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. We chose this book because we don't really pay much attention to Glenn Beck, and I think most of the time he gets kind of a bad rap, so we were willing to give it a shot. But yeah, um, anyway. What were you, uh, so I we have were... to say, uh, before we even get into the whole plot of this book, which is plenty of material to discuss, uh, I bought this book for a penny 
Oh off yeah, of we should talk about this. I, I bought this book for penny off of Amazon. It was uh, three ninety nine shipping, so I paid about uh, four thousand percent more. You know, my math is terrible. Don't <laughs> quote me on the percentage or whatever. But I paid substantially more for it to be shipped here than I paid for the actual book. However, I paid for the mass market paperback. Four hundred times, Chris. Four hundred times. Th- thanks once again. <laughs> not a math major. Not an English major. Stupid musician. Anyway, bought the book for a penny for the mass market paperback version. However, there was the regular paperback version, which is I saw somehow on magical. Sale. magical. I saw on sale for two thousand and four hundred forty dollars or some. Odd. Yeah, it was like two thousand three hundred thirty-seven dollars and forty-nine cents or something crazy like that. And oh, oh very specific figure from you, but wait, oh, it was so, it was something very specific like that. It wasn't a it wasn't a round number, which was weird. B there was not one copy of the Overton window for $2,337.49. There were two copies for 2000 something hundred dollars and something cents. Um, I, I want to know why. I need to know why che- this book is worth two grand. But I checked back this morning and they're no longer there. Oh, what the- oh my God. I'm so never going to know. Either, either somebody purchased these books for that much oh my or, the seller, God, I hope not. or the seller realized their mistake because there's two up there now for $5 each. Yeah, but how do you go from five, or how, rather, how do you go from $2,437.39 to $5? Like, I don't even, that, that's not, that's not a, a missed key stroke. have massively that's... overestimated how much people <laughs> wanted to read. Yeah, he got it appraised at some, like, crack den or something, and they were like, this is clearly worth, I do you don't go know. to crack dens to get things appraised? No, that's why I'm saying it's absurd. The absurd price comes from the absurd practice of getting things appraised at a crack den. Thanks for explaining the joke, I suppose. Okay. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so the book also, once again, before the plot, acknowledgments right up front in the book. Right. Immediately starts with the line, we're not racist, we're not violent, we're just not silent anymore. I don't know if it I starts with that. rhymes a little bit. It does. Um, it, it, yeah, it was like, what, a page or two in to no, the No, no, it's literally like the, the, the first part of the book is the acknowledgments. And yeah, the yeah. first acknowledgement is... We're not. Racist. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Wow. I, I I didn't remember exactly. Right out of the gate. Little right out of the defensive. Gate. I mean, but to be fair, the book had, whether for good or or bad, no mentions of race. We just assume everyone's white in this there, book. There, no, there was some mentions of, of race. No, I didn't. Like in the bar scene when. All right. Well, hold on. Let's. Okay. Yeah. Before let's, we get yeah. to that, let's We're let's set up the book here. Uh, written in two thousand ten. Written in two thousand ten. I think that's. Good to know. Okay. Okay. Uh, main characters are Noah Gardner, yep. a young PR executive at his father's PR firm, I believe Doyle and something. Doyle and DNM or Doyle yeah. and DNM. Yeah. They abbreviated oh, a whole lot. Um, just to give you give you um, straight from the book, uh, Noah could be described as having a killer eHarmony profile. Straight from the book. I, I suppose that you mean. He, yeah, because he's rich and you know. Has a lot of power and supposedly doesn't really is all have right a lot looking. of power. He's just like well, his dad has a lot of power, but he does have a lot of money, which I suppose is enough for a killer eHarmony profile. <laughs> yeah. Maybe doesn't fly so well on like OkCupid or something, right? Like Match.com, not Christian enough for that, maybe. Yeah. But okay, so we got Noah Gardner and Molly Ross, right? The lady that he notices one day. It's kind of like the the setup, the, the whole <sighs> yeah. chapter. The probably the first thing is Noah notices a lady. 
putting up a bulletin. Actually, that occurs over the course of many chapters, him noticing the lady. Yeah. The chapter <laughs> yeah. lengths in this book, by the oh, way. Oh, are schizophrenic, to say the least. They're weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, let, some of them are about two or three pages long. Oh, and mind you... When we when we talk about a page, how long is this book? Four hundred and twenty-seven. Yeah, four hundred twenty. Something there's like that. About so, sixty pages of like footnotes, actually. Yeah, like, there's an appendix which, which, I, which I appreciated. Yeah, but um, okay. When we say page, we're being um generous. Pages in this book are all right. First of all, the book is pretty thin. The font is huge, and the margins are pretty big. So I read this in like three days casually because. Terrible book club where we literally describe the book as a physical <laughs> yeah. object. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying it, you know, I looked at it and I was like, damn, this thing looks really long. But then I opened it and was like, oh, okay. That's, they just squeeze as little onto most, a page as possible. It seems like a normal mass market paperback kind of print no, to me. Mm-mm. Maybe I haven't read enough books lately. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think you're a little bit estranged. Not everything is A Song of Ice and Fire, so. Uh, well, that was, but yeah, that was. A mass market page. Yeah, I guess it was smaller. We'll, well have to. You have yeah. to print those giant things. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So Noah notices Molly. That's the whole setup. Yeah. The whole thing is, I went to get a tootsie roll. Then I saw a hot yeah, girl. A t- like, like yeah, a tootsie roll. Let's actually back up to the yeah. tootsie roll. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Who gets a tootsie roll out of a vending machine? Like a single tiny ass tootsie well, roll. They're like, like a quarter. I think they're like the probably the cheapest thing you can get in the no, vending machine. No, but no, no, no. What I'm saying is not that Noah's hard up for money. I've or... never seen. A single small Tootsie Roll in a vending machine. Has anyone seen that? I'm, I'm pretty sure. No. I'm Have pretty sure. Ever, no. Is that really going to fit behind that curly yeah, metal? Yeah, like if you get the long <laughs> kind of Tootsie Roll. Oh, like the giant one. Why, like, I've never seen that in a vending machine, though. No, not even the giant one. Like, you know, like the one you see at the front of a CVS or something. Like, just, Dude, that's not going to fit in a vending machine. Anyway, you put it's, it it's, an absurd, like it's an absurdity. It's not an absurd. Like, this is not <laughs> the biggest problem you should be having. <laughs> That's true, but it was something that bothered me. Also, because they called it, it a candy me. bar. It did a bother. Tootsie rolls out. Yeah, yeah fucking that candy also bar. bothered me. But this is very <laughs> semantic detail that we're getting down to. But yeah, okay. Right, anyway. So he goes <laughs> yeah. getting a tootsie roll from his yep. office. I don't even I'm not even sure what he does at the PR firm. I don't know. He's his dad's henchman. Like he does PR stuff. I guess he he makes up lies and. Well, he, he has this meeting truth. later that he has to go to. Right. But beforehand, he goes down to the vending machine for his tootsie roll. Afternoon Tootsie Roll. Yeah, his sugar boost or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he notices this lady, Molly, who he learns he doesn't know her name yet, obviously, yeah, but right. he notices Molly Ross here, uh, putting up a flyer for some sort of like gathering at a bar that seems like, it, you know, like a. Seems like it could be. I don't be... want to say a tea party gathering or but, a rally. But yeah, it's. It, it's Sure is written like a tea party. Yeah. There's it is. references to patriotism and wanting to take back your country. Yeah, you know, basically from just. From who? And it doesn't really specify, but just to take it back. Someone we, took we, it as, we assume the government. Someone took it. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically just someone putting Getting up back a. My a America, please. Right. Someone putting up a let's go, go to this radical anti government meeting. Yay. In this super. Which is weird because it's a super crazy, like, super wealthy PR company that caters only to the most powerful people well, in the she's, world. She's a temp, though. She's, like, just doing copy room work or something. She, yeah, but why She's not would... even dressed, like, businessy. As right, no... on the on the outer limits of of ca- of the casual Friday dress code or something like that. But I remember them wearing... Oh, she had, like, open-toed sandals and a... Right. Uh, just like a regular a, shirt or something. I don't something. think she had open-toed sandals. She had like jeans, like dark jeans on or something. 
He was basically saying she was, yeah, dressed on because he was so he, focused. He describes on her, her as like sort of a hippie, look yeah, or yeah, something, kind of. Which apparently has some bearing later on in the story, but I don't know if we want to jump ahead to that no, right away. Right. Let's leave some suspense for the reader here. Yeah, no <laughs> or kidding. Or the listener, rather. Um, You're probably not going to read this. Yeah, we don't expect anyone to read these. That's why we're doing we're doing it for you. Yeah. We're we're helping you yeah. through life. So so notices. Molly, and in the, of course, it, it's like I said, di- multiple chapters dedicated <laughs> to him looking at Molly and how pretty she is. Oh yeah, my God. And, and then like here's the thing where the the setup of the whole thing is like, oh, she's really attractive. It's love at first sight. Like, what the fuck? I, like, I mean, you know, Jesus some people Christ. that that works for some people. They have these feelings when they first lay eyes on someone that the. That, that I don't know it, it works forever I suppose uh, that's all you need is just the cursory he didn't even see her front yet actually I believe he, he was just seeing he like was, her side profile yeah, I think right something I, yeah. I, I didn't quite get down to that level of detail yeah, in my imagination I, don't know. I suppose um, need to work on that but uh, she yeah the love at first sight thing I'm not a fan of it no other people am I. might believe it it works it's it it's it's used in movies and everything. Which, by the way, this this book references later on that it's sort of self aware of the love at first sight trope. Yeah, right. And I and I spoiler alert: Noah even... and Molly hit the rocks later after they start <laughs> yeah. talking. They might not get the but yeah. It, anyway, anyway. But again, let's get to that a little bit later. We don't have to be super linear about this. No, that's true. But I, we can I mean, jump around. Anyway, anyway, we're kind of sticking on this one point. Noah notices Molly. He likes how she's looking. Digs what she's putting down, however you want to put it. Right. She had all the goodies in the right place. Thank you. I was I just going to say that. I wrote that down in my notes. I was like, all the goodies, vomit. Like, Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's just how men think in uh, Glenn Beck's yeah, world. I guess. I mean, just that, just re- having to read that phrase, though, and thinking of myself as having, quote, goodies is fucking, like, skin crawling. Well, but, everyone, you know. Everyone has goodies. Like, Ugh, just, I just, that phrase just kills me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I, goodies is. <laughs> It's like, God. Hi, it's like an old man. Yeah, it's like it's their goodies. There. Yeah, it's like you're a store and someone can just come up and be like, five dollars for your goodies, please. Blah. Okay, that's. I'm sorry. That's it just it just strikes it. me in the wrong way. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, no one notices Molly at bath while he's getting his tootsie roll. They have a discussion. In fact, he tries to ask about the meeting, and then she's like, "Oh, you? I don't believe you're the type that would be interested in this, Mr. Rich PR guy. But if you wanna." Come yeah. on down later. Oh, and here's here's my favorite thing. What the hell is with touching someone you don't know? She touches him like three times in that opening uh, scene. Does she? Yeah. I didn't notice yeah. that. Maybe maybe she, she was so stealth at touching that I didn't even notice as I was reading. Yeah, she touch she gets real close to him and touches him like the first couple of times they, they see each other. Which actually I think is only what? Actually, does he only see her that once before that? Yeah, and then when they're in the um They meet next at the bar. Yeah, and then when they're at the bar she touches him on the arm, grabs his hand, drags him across the floor. Like, who does that? Who is like, oh, I met you four hours ago. Let me take your hand and drag you over here. Like, what the hell? Well, you know, I don't think, again, I'm not, we don't have to be linear about this. But once again, spoiler for the Overton window if yeah. you plan on reading this. But uh, this may have been a plan on Molly's right. part, you see. Right. right, Because she may have been targeting Noah in can some I just, way. Can I just put this out there? When I was, after I got um, almost all the way through the book... I had this feeling that um, it was written almost like a Bond novel. You know, like, that that's what I'm getting. Like, it was like they took all those silly tropes of spy novels and movies and used that as a framework to write this book. Yeah, but Bond gets laid, though. 
Yeah, I know, but Fong gets gets the ladies. I know, I know. Uh, but I think that's, I mean, that's at least at the end, I was like, you know what? If I think about it that way, it's a lot more like palatable. I guess that's one way to look at it. Because who on earth would write this? And like, I, I can't imagine all There's all plenty this of spy thriller serious. people, like novels out there. You've got your whole Tom Clancy's and yeah. your um, whoever else writes spy thrillers <laughs> that I can't remember yeah, right now. Yeah, I don't now. know. Wait, are Tom Clancy's novels spy thrillers? Some I thought they were them, just. I thought they were just thrillers, military ish. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there's some right. spying going. Some people are in secret and have guns. There's I think some that's spying. real. All James right. Bond barely does like real spy yeah. stuff. He's always he just fucks like, abroad and kills Golden somebody. Eyes, and you know. yeah, it's whatever. All right. Um, so anyway, so he, after th- this little encounter at the Tootsie Roll machine, I'm just it's all <laughs> yeah. filled with Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, just all mind. Tootsie Rolls all the way to the he sky. He goes to this meeting. Uh, which is being presented by his father, Arthur Gardner, who is like business dad supreme. Yeah, he's like he's, he's yeah the king of the world, man. He's like something in his sixties or around there. Has been businessing ever since business was a thing to business. Yep. Um, has like the sweet boardroom and everything. I believe as he he gives a speech at this meeting, basically. And speech the, is pretty great, actually. I well. I Be- because I well, agree that bottled water is total bullshit. Well, it's but, it's not great in like its overarching theme, but it has some good moments in terms of good speeches. I, think I guess you know this some someone whoever wrote the you know Glenn Beck supposedly wrote the book, but there's a, Glenn Black, b- b- Glenn Black, Ben yeah. Gleck, his alter ego. <laughs> this book Glenn- was a false flag. To- <laughs> No, Glenn Beck plus the other three people that also uh, wrote this give damn them thing. Their proper credit, yeah, I'm sorry, it's, it's, I didn't it's write that with down. Contributions by Kevin Balf, Emily <laughs> Bestler, and Jack Henderson. I think that's Balf. B A L F E. Balf. 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 Kevin yeah. Balf or Balf or Balfy. No, I'm pretty sure it's Balf. They seem to have contributed in some way, even though Glenn's name is the one on the front of the book. And who yeah, knows? I'm not. I'm not who sure knows who who wrote what. Right. Like, I'm not sure if contribu- contributions just mean like those are people that did the research for him, or they actually wrote it a little bit as well. But regardless, I mean, it's. It's an interesting thing. Some of the thing. dialogue um, was okay, you know. Yeah. It, it's not, it, That's what I mean. I was expecting total literary failure. And I, it, it, eh, you know what? It's readable. He's He references some okay sources at the end. Some of them are a little yeah, that, nuts. Yeah, like 60-page but... appendix of news articles and links to studies and whatnot. You know, I never thought I'd be having this reasonable of a discussion about Glenn Beck or anything that he's authored. I will say, this really brought me around to thinking I was a little... Well, Glenn Beck kind of, he's like the, you know, open with the... He does the Ron Paul thing. You open with the reasonable thing. Yeah. And then you say the crazy thing. Yeah. It's, in fact, quite like the concept of the overall book, The Overton Window. Ah! So ah look let's, at you yeah, making connections. You've probably been wondering... You're what the hell the is this thing, Overton Window? What's the Overton yeah. Window? It's a very nice window that you can get installed in your house. It's got a very fancy... No, it's not. No. It's a political <laughs> concept that basically states that... You're going to have two polar opposites of a political spectrum, and there's going to be radicals on either side for whatever that direction right. might be, like pure anarchy on one side and pure tyranny on another. Yeah. And the Overton window is sort of the space Where the public consciousness is. Where what the public is accepting right now. Right. I don't even necessarily sure if it's just for the general public. It's I think it's for the general public. Yeah, it's what the public consciousness, con- excuse me, consciousness is at the time. Um, and it can be moved 
um, that window can be moved to either extreme based on events in the world and incrementally based on, like, yeah, and slowly with, with fear mongering and new things concept. like that. It's no. just a slippery slope, but with two sides and yeah. like a space in the, the middle. Dual sli- yeah, the dual slippery. It's, it's slope. an actual. There was a Joseph Overton. That's a real yep, guy who yep. made this thing. So this isn't like this is... something Glenn Beck cooked up or anything. No, no, it's a real but concept. acceptable poly sci theory, I suppose. Once again, not a poli sci major. Yep. Majors, I am not English, math, poli sci. <laughs> oh, don't Slowly, keep going we'll go down, down that. We'll go, we'll that's go a slippery slope. That I is a slope. Yeah, that's a yeah. slippery slope. Don't do that. Anyway, so Noah's at this meeting where his dad is presenting. Uh, the next, like, it's almost like Pinky in the Brain right now. It's like, yeah, he's what kinda, are we going to do tonight, Dad? Take over the world. Like, that's kind of. Does, the, he doesn't really pay attention to Noah in the meeting. No. Noah was like the stenographer or something. You know, he's passing <laughs> handouts out. He's the teacher's assistant or something. No, like he was that. just sitting there listening to the meeting because he does something at the company, but we have no idea what he does, really. I think that he just gives him odd job, like he's an odd job guy. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. To do. He's the kid that inherited. Supposedly, you know, a place this PR firm has run all kinds of like presidential campaigns yep. and manipulated public consciousness already. Don't they have like a muse- like a shrine to that? Yeah, there's shit? like a yeah, hallway right. where of like all the news stories of things they've manipulated. I maybe should have written some things down. Yeah, what they it, were. it was like it was like you know JFK was up there. Um, I think there was even like some toy campaigns and food. Yeah, stuff. there was like passing fads and yeah. whatnot that they apparently engineered the public consciousness, which, if they're so good at this, by the way, I don't understand why Arthur had this whole plan to begin with that he gets into here that we find out is the whole plan. We're going to take a break for a moment. Yep. We'll be right back. Hey, Paris. Do you like music? Yeah. Do you like listening to people talk about music? Sure do. Do you like people talking about music and listening to people talk about music while you talk about music? (laughs) Totally. Well, then I do. I have the podcast for you. It's The Color of Air with Greg Massey of Balaset, XKUDOT, and X-Model of the Well. Greg talks to various musicians and has conversations with them about the musical journey. The goal is to showcase and promote and have honest, in-depth discussions with a variety of musicians and artists about their process and where can i find this magical podcast you can find it at http colon slash www.colorofair.com that's colorofair.com no u in here this is how we americans spell it here in glenn beck's america we spell it one o <laughs> no o u that's the color of air with Greg And we're back. Apologies, the uh, housekeeper knocked on the door, you see. And we have a very large house that needs maintaining, you see. <laughs> yeah. So incredibly rich over here. Yeah. Much like Noah Gardner and his dad. Yeah, which is why we can read this and identify with it so easily. Exactly. Because we so are... So <laughs> back to this rich business meeting, which I have been to many of my own. Yeah, I have been to yeah. many business meetings. I know how to business. And apparently Arthur Gardner here is the king of business. He is. Because he has like... His boredom is decked out while he's doing this presentation on his evil plot to control information. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's basically just controlling the flow and shape of information. Which his like, PR firm is already doing in this But parts. this was for a specific... I mean, this, this is like, the plot to Metal Gear Solid. I'm just going to yeah, tell you, right? Like, it's yeah. it's a shittier version of Metal Gear Solid. And except, you know, having computer AIs do all the controlling, it's some old guy in a business firm in New York. Yeah. Basically. 
But oh. he has the, the sweetest boardroom ever. He has, like, flat screens that come down from the ceiling to surround you and have all, all these graphs and charts, which, you know, are essential for business meetings. Yep. I would know. Again, I've been to many business meetings. I'm not a business major, <laughs> not English, math, business, Again, or poli-sci major. Slippery slope. But... Okay, as somebody who has been to business meetings, I can say it's pretty extravagant. I, do you not believe that I've been to business meetings? No. Moving on. <sighs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Like you were saying, there's these flat screens that descend and and wrap everyone in the room. And there's he, okay, he my... has his own spotlight. No, Chris. he has his own spotlight no, though. Chris, Chris. <laughs> he, but he okay, has all his own it spotlight. is is that there's there's track lighting around the room, and only one of them stayed on. He doesn't have a spotlight. I'm pretty sure it says it moves around with him. No, it does not. move Even around if you only with have him. one stationary light. That is, he prepared to have it dimmed to be only on him. That is a spotlight. No, spotlights are specific things. I don't that are movable. Okay, well then I used he to had, operate them. I know what they are. Okay, well, then he had a light that was on him that was prepared to be on him and have the lights dimmed so ah, he would be the fine. cool guy right, in the middle fine, of the light. Fine. What What do you call that then? The one that's it's the just monologue, a single the, light. The soliloquy light. I no, don't know. No, it's a single light. It goes on, on while he's giving his speech. Okay, like, my point. It's a semantic point, but just that spotlights <laughs> are a different thing than a single light left on. I know that sounds ridiculous, but to me, I don't agree. With, it's difference. functioning as an isolating light <laughs> fixture. Okay, fine. For We're his just... speech that he is giving, so it is more dramatic. What I am saying is Chris, that this we're gonna man, turn the light off. This, we're gonna turn that light off right this now. This man planned a dramatic speech. He did, and and he had some at some point in the PowerPoint or whatever he had like the, the click over one is that okay? I have to be standing here to give my awesome business speech about how I'm going to use. Uh, he doesn't mention the Overton window in this meeting, I think. No, they just find it yeah. later. Um. Anyway, this guy is so rich, he has, like, a private elevator that goes just up to his office, which is a whole different floor. It's filled with magnificent, priceless artwork. It's it, it's totally silent because he has it soundproofed because he hates hearing the noise of, like, you know, average fucking human beings. Yeah, there's, there's literally no sympathetic aspect to this character. No. So some of the, that's another issue I have with this book. Some of the characters kind of... All the characters are one-dimensional. They're totally flat. Well, I yeah. mean, that's just how the book... Like I said, I feel like it's a spy novel. Like, that's the whole point. They were trying to make it as, like, spyiest spy novel of all the spy novels. I like, read spyier novels, I'm pretty sure. But I think... Well, at least I... Spyerist. <laughs> at least I hope that's what the intention was, was to make it sort of a caricature of, of a spy novel. I don't think... I mean... No. Yeah, no, this we're is not just on an, that This same. was an honest attempt at writing, which is fine, yeah, yeah, but the I characters guess. are, you know, fairly predictable, Yep. I would say. Can I just say, though, that I agree with him about the bottled water, once again. Bottled water is fucking dumb, and the fact that anyone buys it is insane. That's like a real easy... You know, I don't think anyone's disagreeing with you there. It, oh, the, people disagree with me all the time a convenience it. thing. It's not a, like a water thing, but... Eh, anyway. I, again, this is like the easy hook that Glenn Beck... Gets yeah, like the exactly. common sense person. Yes, and, it's and like, that's of when... course I agree with this. Yes. and then you flip them with the crazy later. Yeah. and see if they don't spill all the way. Oh, oh, oh! My next favorite thing is happening. Okay, so the next note I made. Noah, yeah. Well, is it still in the meeting or have we? Have it's we right after the meeting when he's like, "Yeah, because Noah an gets bored. Task for you to yeah, do. Noah Wah. gets bored and like fucks off or something. Yeah, and then his dad's like, "Hey, I have this important thing for you to do," and he gives him that list of phone numbers. All right. Can I get the job of the important midnight phone answerer? Can I have that job, please? 
how do you know it's just not the like how do you know he didn't have like the cell phone to the person themselves no no no, because every time he called it was like someone else picking up the phone for them but it wasn't midnight was it it was like the middle of the day he still had to go because he was calling people far away like he was oh, like, oh yeah, okay, that's so right. So can cause... I be the midnight phone answerer, please? Like the midnight phone secretary? That sounds like a great job. Your day is probably I'm you probably have so much free time until the I'm sure crazy phone things, call happens. I'm sure there's other things that the midnight phone answerer has to be doing. On the other hand, these are crazy rich people. They could just throw. That's what I mean. I want that job. They can, a living wage dropped yes, out of their pocket every exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> oh, could you be my midnight phone secretary? What do I have to do? Answer the phone if it rings. How much? Yeah, sixty grand a year. All right, great. Like that's the job I want, please. I wouldn't mind that either, actually. Yeah, I just thought that it was like a really funny idea, like midnight phone secretary. The, so if he was calling, the, what was he calling to tell these people? Weren't they supposed to show up somewhere or just do? Like... Um, yeah, I think what he was doing is actually setting off the events at the end of the book. Sure. Okay. Yeah, but then the rest of the book, he's like mystified. But he about doesn't what's, know. He's yeah. mystified about what's going on. So what is he calling and telling these people? Like he was probably hey, just, go do the thing. He, yeah, he was honestly he was probably just telling them like, okay, was exigent engage plan engage alpha exigent. beta yeah exactly or like three five seven yeah it was it seemed like he was just protocol sixty six yeah it seemed like he was just maybe saying a basic thing that his dad told him to say um the chicken yeah. has left the hen house exactly something stupid like that it didn't specify but that's all i can imagine because yeah because he's totally clueless about what happens later and you're like dude you're the one that fucking set all this shit in motion yeah okay so, so anyway anyway he's, his dad makes some call these numbers and like burns the numbers or whatever like that i you know i guess we're very private or something yeah. And he goes to the bar to meet up with Molly, who he had just seen in the Tootsie Roll vending machine room slash yep. bulletin board area. Doesn't he need to go on? Also, he went on to describe this woman for what, like fucking six uh, chapters. pages or something? Chapters. chapters. Even once again, chapters, chapters could okay. be of varying length. You know, the Arthur Gardner business dad speech chapters. That chapter was pretty long. Well, I long think. is still like only about 15 pages yeah. or something like Some that. Some of the chapters are like two or three pages long. There's a couple of like yeah. Ayn Rand style, just like lengthy speeches, although nothing on parallel with Atlas Shrugged, no. which is like 30 page, 60 page speeches or something. I haven't read that either, uh, which maybe I should get on, but maybe. I, I, I'm um, not going to judge that I one. I don't know. Do you remember? I made this note that says, a world without time in all caps. What the fuck was I don't even remember what I was talking about. I, Page 43, I, a world without time. I don't know why I wrote that down. I don't know. I also have 100,000 billion <laughs> yes, written down. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, okay. Was that so, during the meeting? No, no, no. I think Arthur beginning. says like there's no, no, 100,000 billion dollars in debt or something, no, no, no. which Here's to me my... sounds like you're going, there's a million billion dollars in debt. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, no. The beginning of the book, 1,000 bills uh, beyond sea level to outer space is like $2.3 trillion. Do you remember at the beginning of the book? He was like, if you stack $1,000 bills from sea level to outer space, you'll still have like 30 miles to spare, and that'll be $2.3 million. And I was like, what the fuck? That can't possibly be true. Like, there's no way in hell if you... I just don't believe it. You're so focused on like the factualness of that. Like, why did he even bring that up? Which is what I would be concerned about. Uh, Because $2.3 trillion is the amount of money that was supposedly lost the day that the government admitted... Um, that they couldn't account for immediately before the September 11th attack. So on September 10th, the government, or I would say the, yeah, government, okay, the federal so, government the was like, that he's yo, we can't to account make for $2.3 like trillion. How long the money is to the moon. Like, I, he's just trying to make a point about how vast the sum it is, I think. But I just wonder if that's actually true. Like if you stacked $1,000 bills from sea level all the way into space, I, I don't know. I don't think it would work. You, I'm almost certain that it's Sometimes the exaggerated. things you get stuck on fast. <laughs> like, 
Well, that's the point, right? We we have our weird, differing perspectives. But yeah, that's I wouldn't. I thought it was a really weird way to put that, and I was like, "Wait, is that true?" For a second, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't know. Someone out there can tell us if um if you stack a thousand dollar bill, thousand dollar bills from sea level. I suppose, How yeah, if you've done this yeah. yourself, if you have <laughs> yeah. $2.3 trillion in cash and you've attempted to stack no, it to the moon. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, if you use math, if you use math. No, only if you have actually stacked. I don't care no. about these scientists oh, and their maths. And, and I want, unless I see it with my own two eyes, it's a false flag. Okay? <laughs> it, moving on. Anyway. So Noah's at this bar or whatever, and he goes to this meeting where a fellow is making a, a speech about... Gun rights, I suppose, uh, and I government overreach. Was, and uh, no, the first. Wait, w- oh yeah, I don't remember what the first guy was. Something about that. Yeah, you know, he he actually kind of the way Noah gets up on Noah gets up on stage eventually right, somehow right. is because um, Noah finishes a Gandhi quote that the gentleman had started. Like he, the gentleman starts to say a Gandhi quote. Right. Um, I forgot exactly. Was it a? I didn't realize it was a Gandhi quote. It, yeah, um, he, it says, hold on, I have the book right next to me here. Yeah, so you just, should probably have that on hand. The Gandhi quote, or, uh, first they ignore you, then they ridicule you, then they fight you, and Noah finishes with, and then they win. That right. So, I'm, you know, he finishes the quote. Yeah. That's the end of the chapter, actually. It breaks right there at that thing, and it, immediately the next chapter starts just Oh, yeah, that's the other thing about, about chapters in this book is, like, in, typically, when you read a book, chapters are a break in either time or perspective. This book is just stream of consciousness separated by a chapter mark. Like, it's real weird. Oh, well, not stream of consciousness, but rather it's totally linear. Like, you go from being in the bar and then you're still in the bar in the next chapter. Like, it just picks up immediately. Yeah, there's where like the last some very arbitrary, off. like, non cliffhangers. Really it's just yeah. like, here's kind of a dramatic beat to end this three-page chapter on, yeah. I suppose. It's just whenever he has one of those, he's like, okay, next chapter. It's like a 45-chapter book in, like, a space of 420 pages. So, yeah, you know, it's pretty weird. And maybe, that, maybe that's a product of So anyway, the gentleman on stage gets kind of aggravated about Noah finishing his quote, even though it seemed like he dropped out for silence so the crowd would finish the quote. But he gets mad at Noah about it because he's like... Did he get mad? I don't remember. Well, 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 looks like we've got a junior ambassador from the Ivy League among us. Because I guess Noah's wearing a suit, so, you know, he No, can't... he's not wearing a suit. Don't you remember? He had to borrow a shirt from someone. Because well, because you can just borrow shirts from other people. I guess it was a Harvard sweater people. or something. Oh, cause... yeah, I think you're right. I think it was like a... Somebody's... Oh, it was? I was making a joke. No, <laughs> I, think, I think it was like a Harvard or a Yale pullover or something somebody had. Maybe. I just remember, like... Who the fuck borrows shirts from other people in pubs? How does anyone have clean shirts? They were like, oh, someone was traveling. No, no, no. That doesn't happen. He actually says, come on up here, Harvard, to him as like a nickname. Yeah, then to... it must have been a Harvard I, don't, I just don't understand why he got so hostile all of a sudden when the guy just finished your quote. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this book that you're just like, why? I suppose like, that's, that's just the them. way that he, you know, yeah. Glenn Beck could figure out to get him up on stage or whatever. So then Noah's like, oh, you're all dumb. You've been, the wool's been pulled over your eyes. I work for the people that control the public consciousness and they you can't even fight back so why even try or something like that yeah so noah has like his kind of dramatic speech moment even though it's a little bit so oh, i realized we we jumped a whole section but it's fine we don't have to be super linear why did something jog your memory um yeah because i'm super pissed about something which is when he says middle eastern music is atonal 
No. It is. Do you even know what that means? Music, Middle Eastern music is not atonal. I, was this like while he was on his way to the bar? Yeah, when something? he was in the cab. Remember, he was like, oh, this atonal Middle East. I almost lost my fucking mind. I was like, no. Well, I, I, you know, specifically as someone who has experience in music performance, it might be a sticking point for you because atonality has, it's like a very specific thing where. Uh, if you want to go with the whole twelve tone thing, it's like specifically right, avoiding you a just, root note, which I'm, <laughs> Middle Eastern music has roots yeah, to it. There's of it does. tonal centers and whatnot. Yeah. I haven't listened to enough myself. It seems more melismatic than other kinds of music, but it's still tonal. Yeah, it's total. It's totally tonal, and I was, I just, I was just annoyed because it's just another instance where people use musical terminology to make it seem like western music is better than all other kinds of music in, in the wrong way it's like it's it's almost i mean i don't know it just really bothered me i hate when people throw around the word atonal because they don't know what it means just because you don't like the way something sounds doesn't mean it's atonal sorry it just really really bothered me it sure did sounds like yep. it sure did okay anyway so after so once again back at the bar yeah, after sorry, that short sorry. little cab music rant there um Noah gets pulled up on stage. They have the speech, and then he gets off stage. And I, so I, I'm the crowd attitude towards him. Oh no! Because remember when he was on stage, he was like, in his in his head, wasn't he thinking like, I can tell something's gonna happen or something? He was seeing people like blocking doors, and he was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here, basically. Yeah, he seemed to notice some malcontents in the crowd yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So um, another character gets up on stage. It's uh, like it turns out to be Molly Ross's mother or something. Also giving yeah, some sort and of she's rallying with speech. the tax code. Yeah, she's, speech, she she yeah. has a problem with the taxes that she Hang doesn't on. like how they work. I, I got some great I got some great notes from this. Um, so if you remember, he changed in the bar into someone else's shirts that he didn't know. Someone used the phrase "hemp heads." Which sounds like a phrase someone would use that who was much older and was just like those youngins, brr, hemp heads. Like I've never heard anyone say that seriously. They call them potheads later too. You know, it's not like the whole book. Is. Um. Oh, and my favorite was um, was it Bailey? Is that guy's name? Yeah, Danny Bailey Danny turns Bailey. out to be the guy that was on stage um, that gets mad at my, Noah. My favorite quote of his is. There's emails of me flying all around the internet. Like, good God, dude. It's 2010. <laughs> you can't stop those emails. <laughs> emails of him flying around the internet. I was like, dude, Facebook? like, Inst-? And then they mention Instagram and Twitter Two- later. 2010. And I was you like, know, just start, like, The social media thing is like just starting to cook. Well, no, MySpace is no, that was a No, my point was it, was it was kind of an outdated way to put that and not something anyone would ever really say. Well, I mean, like, there's a bunch of like outdated stuff. Like, yeah. Way later in the book, they mention trolling on the internet and they yeah. get the definition wrong. Wait, what did they what did they say? They described trolling as like baiting someone with certain things to get them to do something that you want, but that's not accurate. That's more like that's more of a honeypot. Trolling is just doing something to piss the other person off. Right. Whether you believe the bait it, there is some baiting involved in getting that person pissed off, but the more strict definition I would say is saying something specifically to rile someone else yeah. up. For no reason other than to rile that some person. Uh, yeah, up. I agree with you. Um, did I also so, another musical thing I hated? They spelled the shortened version of microphone Mike M I K E. They did it twice. That, I wanted to die. You really need to stop getting like hung up on these very tiny like that. No, ha- people Chris, spell it that way. No, they don't. That's some not people... how it's spelled. It's a short. It's an abbreviated form of microphone M I C Mike. I, Why would you say M I K E? Like who spell checked this and and checked this for grammar? And no, I don't think again, anyone I did. I think the things you get hung up on 
pretty sure no one really did. like not uh, what we should be discussing but sorry um so, yeah anyway we're still back at the meeting here yeah let's try and cook there through was this tea little... party metal at one point right tea party metal what? yeah i wrote tea party metal question mark tea in party? my notes what are you talking about uh page 100 flip to that i don't know what you're talking about i wrote tea party metal for a reason i think there was tea party metal at you some point. really need to elaborate on your notes or well something. yeah sometimes sometimes i can't remember exactly what i was um hoping to get at in my notes i think because i think a band played and they were talking about how it was heavy metal or hard rock or something um I vaguely remember that. It says tonight's headliner, the illustrious Danny Bailey. So it, it was just you you saw the word headliner and uh, you thought there was some kind no, of no, metal show happening. Let me see. No, no. I, I thought I remembered. Um... You Perhaps you cooked something up in your own imagination. <laughs> Maybe. Um... I would like to see a Tea Party metal band. Yeah, really. I'm sure they're out there. Oh, yeah. No. It says the illustrious Danny Bailey now took to the stage in a swell of heavy metal music and an ovation that rattled every shelf of glassware behind the bar. Hello, New York, Bailey shouted like an aging rock star kicking off his annual farewell tour. He held out the microphone to pump up the roar of the answering crowd and made no move to settle them down. I do not remember this. On the contrary, the clamor continued until he produced a piece of paper and took back the mic, M-I-K-E, almost a full deafening minute later. So yeah, I, I it, missed that. met, yeah. That's I, why I, I was like, I, "Wow, I that's really, really weird." Um, so yeah, I guess there was some, you know, I mean, production that, value to the Tea Party rally. I, I, guess. I guess it's not a Tea Party rally, actually. They, they no, it's not. They, 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 they actually talk poorly about the Tea Party, don't they? A little bit. Yeah. Well, Noah kind of calls everybody out. He's like, "There's a Tea Party, or there's a Freeper, a yeah. Free Republic name drop in here." Yeah, by the way. dude, Freeper pretty made me crazy. pretty excited. I that, was like, "Wow." <laughs> uh, FreeRepublic.com is one of my favorite websites to stay away from. Yeah, or and, to be amused by, and yeah. then saddened and sickened by. Well, at times. you know, that's that. I, yeah. I was just excited by that. Anyway, so all these speeches happen. Noah gets his own little moment of you know fame, I suppose, when he gets up to talk. Then Molly Ross's mother comes up. Yeah. Molly gets real touchy on Noah, like we mentioned earlier. Yep, she's touching. All, all of a sudden, touching. he said something, and they've I, known each other for maybe six hours, maybe eight at this point. No, no, Molly is an independent, strong woman who knows what she wants and. Guess what she wants, maybe. No, no, no. I- I'm just saying I find it kind of unrealistic. That's all. Um, Once again, perhaps Noah was targeted, which he was. Yeah. So oh, hey, can we talk about... Sense. Can we talk about the whole quote there um, where 100 miles... Um, 100 miles out from any coast or U.S. border is a constitution-free zone? Page 107. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I, I, I I'm don't sure understand that's sourced maybe what that in the means. appendix. I, he's saying the ACLU said something about everything. If you're within 100 miles of a coast in America, it's considered a constitution free so zone. So we're in a constitution free zone, Chris. Well, yeah, that's the point. Is that pretty much everybody is in yeah, a Yeah, I know. Most of the population zone. is. But but why? I don't understand maybe where that comes from. You need to from. read the appendix. I, did, well, I mean, I looked over it, but I didn't see anything that referenced that. I might have missed it. Uh, well, I don't know. Glenn Beck is saying that the ACLU said. That this is a thing. So this is like third or fourth. Yeah, I was just like, "What the fuck? I've never heard that before." I need to. Of course, you haven't been steeped in you know conservative, supposedly non-conservative, because the book makes a point to talk about how diverse this rally is. This is the one. This is where I was talking about earlier. Yeah, you got metalheads, hempheads. No, but it also says like all races and colors and stuff like that. It makes it a point to be like, "No, there's really every, really everybody is here, guys. Like really everybody. No, like really everybody. Yeah." So I, you know, disgruntled Chinese nationals, perhaps, or something. Yeah. I'm... 
so they have their their rally over here, and it goes awry because someone pulls a gun a out. Awry, you mean? It goes awry. Uh, awry. It went awry. All right. I'm sorry. So I, was I don't like, want to be in a point of another rant from you here <laughs> about how to say things and spell things. Sorry. Anyway. So it it goes badly. It gets, it gets raided. It, well, it doesn't get. First, someone pulls out a gun. Noah right. sees a guy pull out a gun. Uh, Danny Bailey is back on stage or something at this point. And here's a question I have to ask. Who is he shooting at? Because later on we find out that Danny Bailey is fine and, like, no one got hurt. Like, no one is shot dead at this club. Yeah, that's true. I don't remember who the shooter was shooting at. It doesn't say. It just says that he shot something. He shot? He, he, He shot a gun. Um... I mean, I but, have a note about the raid on 119. I don't know where the shooting happens, though. It, the raid happens immediately after because it's supposed to it's supposed to look like a setup because the police burst in like three seconds after. Yeah, they're like waiting. There's, a, there's a gunshot or something because, of course, it's a setup because later on yeah. Noah is at a police station getting interrogated and he sees all these people just like chilling outside. Yeah. Literally outside his interview room. Yeah, like just, drinking like, coffee. All the people that are in on the conspiracy decide, well, let's just gather outside <laughs> the interrogation rooms. <laughs> This yeah. isn't in, this isn't conspicuous I at all. I thought that was or, pretty funny too. It was like, like no, wow, really, guys. they're right there, all buddy buddy, drinking coffee, saying how good they are at conspiracying <laughs> or yeah. false flagging or whatever. Yeah, it was pretty silly. So I anyway, mean, one of these people has shot at nothing, or like they didn't try to assassinate anybody. Yeah, it seems no, just to create a panic, I think, and let the cops bust in and round everybody at this meeting up and take them all into interrogation rooms. Right, because that's what station. happens at a shooting. Well, I, I guess, you know, it's a... Well, the person with the gun would get taken into custody. I guess, but the whole justification is that this is a radical rally right, and perhaps right. something crazy was going on. And, right. You know, there's, there's... Oh, they've they've been railroaded, you see, into, yes, yes. into this, this police roundup. But Noah pulls, like, a couple of strings from his rich dad's pockets or something. That I mixed my metaphors there, but... And the, he lets everybody out somehow, like... At first, it was just for him, but then eventually, somehow, his rich guy lawyer friend, Charlie Haley or Charlie something. Yeah, wouldn't you think that was a little weird? Like, this is why I'm like, how does the main character not realize something is fucking up? Like, I think he realizes something is up. Yeah, but no matter how rich and powerful your dad is, you can't get an entire club of people he doesn't know out of jail. (laughs) That's a little extreme. Well, if it's on, like, you know, supposedly questionable charges, perhaps... Mm that's you know the whole thing was smelled kind of funny so that's how they got off with the power of one rich guy lawyer they didn't even send many lawyers they just send one rich guy lawyer that's all you need to take down a whole police bureau just one well paid enough lawyer can get 90 people off the hook or something like that exactly it's like a couple hundred people 90 to 100 or something like that anyway anyway now begins one of my more favorite parts of the book the car ride home from getting out of jail oh yeah the car okay in which Noah man. has a car sent to him that by his man. dad, which is uh, some kind of a limo with like that's designed for like business conference meetings. So it has like touchscreens for music yeah, and, and like, like a, a Turkish oh. hand towels that you can pass with tongs. Yeah, and then okay, my favorite, my favorite part was sauna orgasms. What? Weird. Because remember, you really need to take more women... in depth notes. No, that... I, I am explaining it right Hold now. Hold on, but first we need to say that. Th- 
Noah picks up Molly and, and her, her mother, and he they're all going to three separate areas, but he's going to drop them off individually. Right. And this is when he takes out the Turkish hand towels to, I suppose, impress the ladies. And, and into having an orgasm in the car. He gives him a Turkish hand towel and a soda, which is, which is really great. <laughs> yeah. It's like the sort of just, like, juxtaposition of yes, exactly. super fancy towel. Yeah. And like a can of Coke. Have, a, have like a Dr. Pepper. Well, okay. I, I said sauna orgasms because he was like, oh, I took this towel and it felt really good. And then he's like, oh, both of the women leaned back, put it on their faces and were moaning. And I was like... What? I think the it was fuck? a contented sigh. No, uh, he's where where's the fucking book? I gotta find it. I have the page. I'm number. pretty sure it's a contented sigh. I think sigh. he said moan or or intense noise. This book never gets really that erotic. It's not It doesn't but it tries away from but overtly it made me sexual a little disturbed. things. Um although not very much as we'll see in a minute. Ah uh, yes. Uh, his writing companions did the same, and ew, soon there ew. were long sighs from across the compartment. So yeah, it's the a sounds of unrepentant indulgence, comfort, and relief—that's a fucking orgasm. It's just a I've sigh, though. It's not a moan. A long sigh is a moan, and a, the sound of unrepentant indulgence, comfort, and relief—that's the sound of an orgasm, my friend. I, I think you're sound just reading, of an orgasm. You just want there. To, you're. you're you're placing your own... No. You're projecting onto Glenn Beck. <laughs> no, I think that maybe... Just because you want to have an orgasm in the back of a limo. <laughs> I Turkish do not. <laughs> no, but that doesn't is... doesn't mean... All right, come on. Someone else has to agree with me on this. That is that is the definition of an orgasm. I think it's anyway, just... Look, I'm it's just a really nice towel. It's a hot towel and a cool drink, man. It's a simple pleasure. <sighs> but it's a simple pleasure that those two people, those two women... Would never indulge in. Like, what the hell? Why not? They're Why? all anti all that shit, right? They want to go back to They're our They're not roots. anti-rich people. They're anti-government. Yeah, but... They never said anything but about... They, put, but they, they have a thing against elites, but it's government elites that exert control, not, like, business elites. Yeah, but they, they paint it as though they're very hippie-ish. You know, you make all of your own shit. Molly wants to live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere and she you know she wants to do like survival techniques and stuff that stuff doesn't really gel with super crazy fancy limo free soda turkish towels like I mean, like that's the state of conservative politics in america right now yeah, i don't want to get too I political know. here but i know that's... we're come on we're already reading a glenn beck book i don't know i, yeah, I think, I think we crossed that line it's a political start i don't want this whole podcast yeah. to get very political but we'll no. try to do what we can. Anyway, let's anyway. move on here. We're already 47 minutes into this goddamn podcast, and we're not oh my God. halfway uh, through the book here. Uh, so this might go okay. a little long. But anyway, so we're in the car, and uh, Molly's mom gets out at some somewhere. He just drops her off. I forget where. And then Yeah, it's just, get out, Ma. We get a fuck. Then it's, well... Well, <laughs> well, that's where I thought it was going at Well, that point. yeah, okay. So Molly and Noah are alone <laughs> in the car, and I guess the driver rolled the window up or something. Because <laughs> yeah. then, like, he... She asks for some music. I forget if she asks for some music, but he has like romantic guitar oh, yeah. stuff like queued up. Like he just pulls it up and there's just like <laughs> I was surprised he didn't mention like soft jazz with a saxophone or something. Yeah, it was it was on that level. Like maybe the last person that he, was in the car also had a broad in there they wanted to I, fuck I, and it's probably Arthur's yeah. car, you know. He I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's he's... true. Oh man, I can oh no, I don't want to think about that. So Come anyway, on. he has the music going and uh, this is working well for Molly, I suppose. Who immediately like gets up and crawls over to him and like sits on his lap? Yeah, I was like, oh, she's gonna sit. Oh God, she's sitting on his lap. What the hell? And that's like, all though. Yeah, that's it though. Yeah. Well, no, there was there's the cuddling later, but yeah. Well, it's in the in the car. They, she specifically has a talk with him. She's like, oh, I want to go to your place now, but nothing sexual. Yeah. Just explicitly is like that's yeah, really nope. how the sentence goes immediately from. 
I want to go to your place, but nothing sexual. Which is like the worst, just the worst two clauses you could have together in a sentence. Well, this is the setup for later when they get back to Noah's place. Right, right. And she's like, uh, he has a whole other room in this like fancy condo that he has. Where he lives, yeah. She like thinks he lives in a French embassy at first or something. He has to be yeah. like, no, it's not that. Yeah, and okay, okay. If she's so into politics, how the fuck do you not know what the French flag looks like, lady? I, you know, well. God damn. Well, <laughs> The French flag is like one of the most easily identifiable flags. Molly's character isn't their greatest female lead. Nope, sure She's isn't. Not really. And hey, hey, let me let me just get this straight. Like, I understand sometimes when you meet someone, there's there can be an immediate attraction, and sometimes things escalate a little quickly. But I think in this setting. It makes zero sense that after knowing each other for twelve, we've hours, already told the listeners though that she's targeting him. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think we both sense that. You know, and and it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't seem realistic to me, like at all. But I think maybe, like I said, maybe that was kind of the point. Anyway, anyway. let's get back to the scene where she goes to take a shower in another part of the penthouse. apartment penthouse. Yeah. I can't, you know, it's it almost a penthouse, like a building think, on its yeah. own or whatever. But and then Noah goes off to read his own book in his bed or something, and she comes back out dressed in his clothing. By the way, this is like male sexual fantasy cliche number seven. Oh yeah, didn't she have his shirt tied up to show her flat, smooth belly? Just and a little like, bit. There was just like a peak, and she's wearing his underwear, his underwear and she's got yeah. his sports jersey. You're like, oh, you found my old hockey jersey. It's oh, like, yeah. And then she crawls into bed with him just to cuddle up, and that's yep. it, though. Yep. Apparently, this is like devious sexual seduction that is gonna get noah no on molly's side because guess what turns out later on noah figures out that molly is part of this organization that is setting up these rallies and stuff that might be a little bit on the radical side yeah just that might bit. be a little bit on the radical side because after we get out of the bed after we get into bed i suppose with molly and noah and yeah no funny business though we're all just in there laying yeah doesn't sleeping. she um she puts her arm around him and like really snuggles him close and she's like mentions then she, her like cold feet and stuff like yeah that. and then she continues to be like but no sex, though. And it's like, goddamn. This lady. is masterful seduction at the hands of, yeah. like, you know. Anyway, so after this, it kind of just cuts right to new, some new characters. Yeah. FBI agent Stuart Kearns. Kearns. Oh, Stuart Kearns. Stuart Colonel. Stuart Corn. Kearns. <laughs> Captain Corn. <laughs> I, I don't know. Stuart Kearns. Special Agent Corn yeah. or whatever. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before we move on. So the word that I learned from this book that I, I haven't actually looked up to find out if it's real or not, but I'm assuming it is real. Prever prevarication spell it for us paris p-r-e-v-a-r-i-c-a-t-i-o-n prevarication yeah what does that mean there's your sat word for you yeah i i read that and i was like wow i actually don't know this word i feel like a fucking idiot for not knowing a word in a glenn beck book it's okay to not know a word sometimes people have (sighs) access to the sori the sources i suppose but yeah anyway well you learned learned something from this book i I suppose yep anyway Cut back to FBI agent Corn here. Yeah. He's out in a field somewhere, and I suppose he... No, he's in that police station, and he's letting Danny Bailey out, because Danny, like, they, he disappeared. Yeah, he's taking he's Danny He's the only one that didn't get out after yeah. that whole thing. And he's interrogating Danny. He's like, look, if you just do this one thing for me, I'll let you go free. Because apparently Danny has been popped for, like, drug possession or, like, impossible dealing of stuff. He had, like, a whole yeah. trash bag of pot or something. Yeah, he seemed like he's kind of the typical... And he snitched on his fellow fucking uh, dealers or suppliers or something, which is kind of shitty that... Really? You know, like, I don't remember that part. Yeah, like, they let him... Like, the only reason he didn't get... It actually describes it as, like, minor drug charges, and then it says, but he had a whole bag of pot, which is a 
Which is probably intent to distribute in any jurisdiction. Yeah, that's like, not really minor. I don't know. You're in fucking Seattle or California yeah. or something. Or I mean, I I don't care, but in, in you know, in the eyes of most law enforcement, that's not a minor offense. Yeah, but it's it's at the beginning of the paragraph. It's like he had some minor drug offenses. He had a fuckload of pot on him. That's <laughs> nothing though. He just snitched on his fellows, and then he got out. But anyway, yeah, anyway. So Kearns or Corn or whatever is like <laughs> Kearns. Agent Corn is like, okay, just do this one thing for me and we'll we'll let you go or whatever. So he wants Danny's help in infiltrating a cell of people that Agent Corn has been in contact with over the internet because he's doing some kind of a Homeland Security sting operation. Yeah. Or the FBI, rather, sting operation. I don't forget if he's working with the Homeland Security Department. It's kind of money or whatever. Yeah. But he is setting up some people with like a fake nuclear bomb. Right. That he is pretending to sell to them after he had set up this online persona as a person that like oh I got sick of the FBI yeah uh, and I doing... have all this all this all these contacts and all this knowledge he, he and... came up with some kind of cover story to get in with some people so he they can run a sting up on some domestic right. terrorists or something and this is what he's having he's using Danny as a sort of an in into the circle yeah like like a well seal of credibility from all the emails that have been flying around the internet yeah and all those flying emails but yeah he's just sort of like. The poster boy for credibility for this movement because how many I don't know he said like millions of people have seen my videos yeah he made a YouTube video of some kind that was super popular yeah he's like supposed to be, yeah basically somehow anti government heavy metal extraordinaire like kind of weird maybe he know. just his intro music is heavy metal you know just because all the wrestlers on WWE come on to like <laughs> super high rock doesn't mean they, maybe Triple H likes classical music or like you know. Yeah, the Undertaker listen to jazz fusion or something like that. Yeah, know? maybe it's just maybe his intro music. I don't think he's necessarily a metalhead or anything. No, no, his music is. I mean, he. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's his intro music from when he gets up no, on stage. I don't think so. But anyway. Anyway, so this is the setup for this other segment of the plot. This is sort of the B plot. Yeah. And um, so yeah, he just has to get Danny to meet up with these people that he's selling the atomic bomb to, right. or the fake atomic bomb. Yeah. So that he can not seem like a rat, because even though he is like, oh, I'm a dis- disgruntled, disgraced FBI agent that's sick of the way the government is handling things, and now I'm going to sell nukes to people. I, he had a cover story for that. It like, yeah. actually used that real-life event where a that, nuclear warhead went missing yep. from like a bombing test run that was supposed to be a bunch of fake ones, but there was real ones, and then when it came back, there was one missing. Yep. Real thing that happened. So, you know, the Overton window could be happening right now, for yeah. all you know. Yeah, exactly. This is totally... Glenn Beck sees the truth of everything. He, he's so good at conspiracies. Yeah. This- so Danny's off to meet these people in the desert to sell this atomic bomb. And this plot eventually gets to the point where they meet up with these people. They cut across the desert or something. They go to Las Vegas, I think. Right. Yeah. It's Las Vegas. It's outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. So it's, they fly all the way from New York on a plane all the way to Las Vegas. And, uh, they try to sell this, this nuke to some people. And the first meeting goes, it, it, they, the money that, Agent Corn, Agent Kearns was promised isn't there, so they're like, "Oh, we'll have it for you tomorrow." And also, the like their leader wasn't there. It was supposed to be five guys, and it was four. So yeah. immediately, Corn yeah, immediately and Bailey shit starts going a little Korn weird. Corn and Bailey, it's their like <laughs> yeah. buddy cop duo. <laughs> Next week on Corn and Bailey, yeah, that's exactly what Bailey that and sounds the like. Bailey and the Corns. All right, it's Agent Kearns. I should really yeah, it's start. Ker- it's Kearns. All right. Anyway, so they smell something fishy, but they decide to try and come back the next day or whatever, and they camp out in like a double wide trailer somewhere while they wait meet wait to meet up. Yeah. 
with these people in the desert again. It cuts back to Noah and Molly for a little bit, kind of hanging out in her apartment, which by comparison is like super poor because it's like a safe house for her apparently radical radical political group that's planning something because they walk in and there's like a guy that Noah saw from the bar making his own ammo. And there's like radical books about survivalism. Making hollow point ammo. Yeah, hollow point ammo or something. He's like, oh, it's so much better when you make your own ammo than when you're out there hunting and I need a precision shot. I only know that I can. Turns out uh, the guy that's making the ammo is like a secret writer of like survivalist guides that are super well known to radicals or anarchists or people like that. That minor plot point, but all these kinds of people are up in this, like, safe house that this group has rented out all across the country or whatever. So he hangs out with Molly again and, like, gets cuddly with her in a hammock or something. Yeah, she cleans and cooks for him. Oh, yeah. Like like a woman She made him a breakfast and everything, like, bacon. (laughs) Like, there's one chapter that just opens with bacon. Oh, that's right. It does, yeah. (laughs) I smell bacon. And then she gives him some uh, extra sweet southern tea. Yeah, it's really sweet southern tea that, surprise, is drugged. Yep. They drug him. Dude, I saw that coming, like, a mile away. I was like, all right, when is she gonna, when is she gonna turn? Oh, there it is. I mean, of course, like, she's a weird yeah. extremist person and they were obviously trying to get Noah in. Oh, by the way, I, is this after they snuck in? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we didn't even mention that Noah sneaks oh, yeah, Molly in yeah. to the to his dad's um meeting room or whatever yeah. where the PowerPoint presentation was going off. The PowerPoint presentation yes. was going. I had a Steve Rule moment there for a second. <laughs> anyway, so they go through the secret end of the meeting that Noah got bored and left, I suppose, or yep. was told to leave or something yeah. like that. And this is where the Overton window is revealed. Right, right, right. Because there's a bunch of slides showing, like, all these departments of government that have their own Overton window process that they're undergoing. And there's, like, a whole plan listed for, like, get education funding cut so that's – or I, I don't think it was that educa- – it was just controlling education to, like – emphasize collective learning and anything that sounds kind of communist obviously because that's terrible yeah you know the good of the people is a terrible idea and um individualism should be squashed exactly but um sorry to interrupt but while we're on this track about the whole overarching ploy here i just want to make a note that at this point molly was only introduced to noah 24 hours ago yep so when exactly more when exactly did did they have time to organize this conspiracy with him? And how did they even know it was going to work? Like, I just... They had uh, planned the, this thing I from know. afar. Yeah, but... Because if you... Okay, here's a weird detail. If you remember that Noah looks at a picture of his mother that died, and it looks exactly like what Molly was wearing yeah. when she first noticed him, which is a weird thing that they would be like, oh, dress up like his mom. He'll totally be into that. Yeah, I know. I, or maybe it's like their subtle hook to get him to look it, That's That's Molly exactly, yeah, that was the point. But it really sounds more like they were like, I bet he's into his mom. No, no, <laughs> I think I think the whole point is that like, especially no, having known Noah's background that his mom died a long time ago, um, it you know, it, it's something that pulls at your emotions, whether you can connect that are not, you know, whether it's sexual or, or you know, just a, a love, yeah, like conscious, yeah, any anything, Freudian yeah. I don't think, yeah, Oedipal. I don't. I mean, yeah, no, I don't think it was meant to be Oedipal, but it, it turned out to be. But um, just a little bit. So yeah, yeah it's they, a little weird. They um, see the evil plan all laid out because, of course, if you're an yeah. evil mastermind, you want to have it written down. I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's too. The whole thing goes too smoothly. Well, again, his whole plan is to like there's. 
he want, he needs to have some sort of event to sort of move some of the Overton windows more sharply in some areas or something like in national security or surveillance or something like that. But here's what gets me about this whole overarching plan. If the company is already so good at manipulating public consciousness, do they really need some kind of catastrophic event or something? To Yeah, because they've been creating them all along. This is what they've done. That's the I, whole thing. I don't think they've created other catastrophic yeah. events. Yeah, that's that's the whole Where did the they say thing. that they created the other ones besides the one that they're trying to push now? I mean, I that's I think what they took advantage of certain events that naturally happened or well they like forced a coup in some country or something. Yeah. I guess yeah, you're right. They like forced they like they specifically say that they're involved in like some overthrow of a country. Yeah, I mean, at some point. there's been so many overthrows of countries by the US government, but yeah. But they were like the PR push behind it. So again, right. like why do they need this this whole thing? Spoiler alert, the whole atomic bomb thing is involved yeah. somehow. It's probably – they don't really specify that, but obviously it's supposed to be used to like push the Overton window for surveillance to be more towards the end where everyone's fine with getting looked at or whatever. Yeah, I mean I think I think they were just hoping But I don't for... understand why if they're so great at it that they need to come up with this whole plan when they can just spin already. Can't they just spin already? No, no. I think like I said, my understanding was that they had done things like this in the past, maybe not to this extent because this was supposed to kill what 30 million people or something. I think. Yeah. Um I don't know. That was the understanding I got from it. Maybe I was overreaching, but Kind of makes sense, right? I get well. This, see, here's the thing: there's a couple of factions. That, let's get try to organize all the factions here. Oh, here's like Jesus. the right. big plot mix-up. We're like an hour in here, but now we're gonna finally try and put all these things together. So there's Molly's and her mom's and Danny Bailey's, I suppose, um, political organization that wants to have something happen. Yeah, and they don't have a the name. Like, they don't have. But they're they the are, Patriots, right, or something. The Founders Keepers. Oh, the Founders. The Keepers. Founders Thank Keepers, you. which is excellent. I yes, have to say. I, I laugh. The Founders Keepers. Founders they Keepers. want to just resist the government in general. I don't think they had any overtly violent intentions from the, or at least the meeting in the bar didn't. Yeah, it doesn't. And seem like Danny it. mentions how, like later on, it seems like some stuff was planted in emails about him that made him seem more violent than he wanted to be. Right. So, but somehow that group is still involved in getting this nuke. Well, I no, I, I think, don't know no, if, no, no, no. if all it, those people were plants. I think all of the people in Founders Keepers. Were, no, Molly wasn't no, a no, plant. No, 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 no. The four people that went to pick up the atomic bomb. Yes, but or five. Well, four that showed up. Danny is like in on it somehow because he sends a text message to Molly. In a strip club because he spots it. Oh my god, club. that was oh my god. That he was stops ridiculous. in a strip club yeah. for a beer is his cover story and like leaves Agent Corn in the car or whatever. <laughs> corn in the car, new way to serve it. <laughs> corn in the car. And he goes in and he like pays a stripper twenty bucks to use her cell phone. Ten dollars. He but he pays. $10 oh yeah, he buys a, a drink beer. for ten dollars and he only pays yep. the stripper ten dollars for like the champagne room to use her cell phone to yep. send Molly a text message to not go to Las Vegas because of a sting op. Yeah. I thought the people involved that are getting stung, I suppose, are yeah. part of Founders Keepers. No. They're just someone else? I mean, I didn't... Well, actually, no. You may be right because... Because so, Molly, Molly later knew about tries it. to get to them later. Yeah, because she so knew So why is she it. trying to get to them to like stop them from getting picked up by the FBI sting op? Yeah, she. I guess. I, I kind of thought that those people were all plants. Like... To make it seem like they're part of the founders The four keepers? people that are picking up the bomb? <clears throat> yeah, but, but they maybe get not. smoked later. Yeah, so what? You kill your plants sometimes. I guess, but no, it's Agent Corn and Bailey. 
Again, I know I keep saying spoiler right here, but yeah. I'm not going to say that anymore because we're just going to get it's right pretty into obvious. Plot we're just yeah, no, we're just skipping around at this point. So these four guys at the second meeting that. Yep. Agent Corn and Bailey go Where to. shit goes totally crazy. Yeah, like they drop off the thing in the duffel bag or whatever, and then... What causes it? Something happens and everyone starts shooting each other. I don't remember. They see the, the, the leader guy, El Amir or whatever, Elmer or something. Yeah. Um, he's not there again at, yeah. at the pickup, and they're suspicious of that already, and they get a call on their satellite phones, the four guys picking up the bomb. Oh, the satellite phone. Get phones. a call on the sat phone from, assumedly, El Amir or someone else. It's, it's, it might be Arthur? Yeah, actually, that I don't know. It, it was, might be Arthur Gardner. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. How, like, yeah, that's right. They turn around and they're like immediately. They just like yeah, Agent Corn and Bailey, Kieran's and Bailey's notice some shits up, so they immediately draw their pistols and they're such good shots that they smoke these four fools. Yeah, like, dude, real quick. They, they were amazing shots. Like, oh, it was God. just all that survivalist oh, stuff. Oh, pop. one one thing. Um, so. <laughs> I loved when they were getting directions to go to the second. I think it was the second meetup. And he's like, so I just popped onto MapQuest. I was going to talk about this, and too. My, and my favorite anonymous Map- emailing site. Yeah, I don't think MapQuest was... Well, MapQuest is still around, I think, but it's definitely yeah, but not the one you go to first. In you weren't using MapQuest. Probably you, everyone's using Google Maps, which maybe yeah. maybe it's a cons- what conservatives use because they don't like Google or something. Maybe. You know, it's like how but, a bunch of them use I Bing. Also, I'm pretty sure a bunch of conservatives purposely use Bing because Google is liberal. Or, yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, it, you know, they favorite use the anonymous emailing site. My favorite anonymous emailing site. You know, there's plenty of those out there. But I guess, you know, MapQuest is the choice for survivalists everywhere. Oh, God, yeah. They don't, I, they don't navigate by other maps. They got to yeah, pop just, on the just internet. Some of this stuff just seems like it was... Again, it's half of me is like, maybe it's intentional and funny. And the other no, half of me is like, no, it's not fucking it's not, intentional. No. Just people out of touch with reality writing this shit. Anyway, so we're trying to... Again, so these guys... I'm not sure if the four guys... Who the four guys picking up the bomb... Yeah, I don't know. If they knew the bombs were fake or real. Turns out the bombs are real, by the way. But was it one of them was real, right? I don't know because... One of the guys gets away in the truck. I got confused at this. I couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah, I was. Confused I couldn't tell if too. it was the one, if Kearns got in the truck and was driving it. But later on, it seems like they're stowing away in the back together. Yes. So I think one of the men gets away in the truck with and both they bombs jump in the truck in the because they of the find truck. out there's another bomb in the back of the truck or yeah. something. So I don't that know why there confusing. was another bomb. Why they were picking up this other bomb. What these four guys knew or not, whose control they were under. Well, I think what happened was the the four dudes picking picking up the the fake bomb brought a real bomb, and they were picking up the fake bomb to pin it on Bailey and Kearns to oh, say that right, they oh like they, they got the that... bomb from them, and obviously like that's how it would look. Yeah, a little later, yeah, Kearns notices that there's some kind of stuff going out about him over some wires or something like that. Yeah. Because so, he's apparently been so deep undercover that like only one guy ever knew who he was and that guy's like dead in the back of the truck. Yeah, and, and so he got set up as well is, yeah. the, is the whole thing, which I was also predicting to happen. I'm not sure how the, the FBI, like, so Arthur is assumably the mastermind of this whole plot. So he yep. set up Agent Kearns and the founders keepers how did he set up agent Kern? did he have to go through the fbi he must have yeah did i he mean pay i pay some guy to pretend to be on the fbi payroll and send kerns a check every once in a no, while no i think i think no cuz kerns was an agent i mean i mean he still is but like he was a formal normal fbi agent and then over the years i don't know he just he goes his undercover downfall. to do this sting operation yeah. for like a couple of years or something yeah 
And he eventually, like, over chat rooms, like, he cuts out all the people that aren't willing to do this thing. And he ends up with, like, eight people. And then it's four people right. that are willing to set a nuke off. In, like, they try to send, set it off at, like, a, the governor's mansion in Nevada or something like was that. Was it the governor's mansion? It was some, some. It was somewhere central in LA. Uh, in Las, sorry, Ve- not Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Or something like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure how this plan, who is doing what here, because it seems like all three sides of this, um, Arthur and Founders Keepers, or maybe if the Founders Keepers are involved with these four people, want to have a nuke go off in some fashion. Right. Except Agent Kearns, who was assuming it was fake and he was being set up or something. Like he, yeah, okay. So only here's, Agent here's Kearns the thing. didn't want a nuke to go off. Right. You are correct. Um, but all these other players did want a nuke to go off for their own reasons or yes. something ultimately it's arthur pulling all the strings yeah yeah so anyway arthur and bailey are in the back of the thing and they arthur fig- and bailey uh, yeah not you arthur mean and bailey. corn and bailey corn, corn and bailey, bailey. yeah my bad are in the back of this truck, and they – I guess the nukes are pretty simple to arm and blow up. Which is totally not true. It's like got two keys in on it to just, you know, turn yeah, and Yeah, I'm blow. pretty I sure that – Yeah, nukes I'm don't work sure like that. that. Well, I don't think it was a nuclear bomb. It wasn't a it – was, It says it was Hiroshima level. Did it really? Yeah, it oh, says okay. like this will have the impact yield of a Hiroshima bomb Oh, that's or something. right. Or maybe right. that was what the fake one was supposed to be in the real one. But there's a mushroom because – spoiler, the nuke goes off. Yep. Corn and Bailey sacrificed themselves. Yeah, which was to have weird. a nuke go off in the middle of the Nevada desert instead of like next to Las Vegas or something. Yeah. Which you know what, probably, like, dude, probably not that big of a loss. Let's dude, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, why didn't they just arm it and then push it out of the truck and then let the truck drive and then not die? I don't know. Just saying. I don't know. Could have just set it, shoved it off the back of the truck. And then just you have to set it. You just shove it off the back of the truck. Like, <laughs> yeah, nukes don't too. explode on impact yeah. or anything. Yeah, there were, there's there a there very were... complicated firing mechanism. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and here's no, the... I'm no nuclear scientist. Once again, my majors <laughs> not nuclear science yeah. or English or math or poli sci or I forget what the other one was now. But none, it's of those. none of those. None of those. None things. of those. Music but, major. But my my point being is that there were other better choices here, and yet they were like, nope, let's just commit suicide. Mer. Yeah, I. Yeah, it, it was, you know, got to have the really dramatic patriot yeah, martyrdom angle weird. or something, because you know Kearns really cares for his country. Yeah. And then um, somewhere at this point, I, this might have been slightly before the nuke goes off, but Molly and Noah are trying to escape from. Um, somewhere they're, they're on some kind of escape trajectory yeah she because they're oh trying to get God. on a plane because but here's he my favorite part wait, of the wait, novel wait 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 uh, he was passed out how did they end oh god i can't remember what happened noah uh, noah's dad wakes him up after he's passed out right and like he lets noah go or something after a while and yeah. he meets up with molly again i forget this part of the thing but they yeah, are trying yeah, yeah. to escape. Oh, because they're not in Las Vegas yet is the thing. Right. And, they haven't gotten to Las Vegas. Right, and Molly wants gets, them to go to Las yeah, Vegas she gets to try, Daniel's text. try and save Danny Bailey. Yeah. So they're on their way to Las Vegas, but they can't get spotted because there's a national terror alert or something already. 
There was a yeah. national terror alert that went out already. So yeah, like we're we're at like orange right now. All right? the people, the, yeah, the, all the people yeah. in in the founders keepers group were already getting picked up by the TSA. So Noah and, and obviously Molly, Molly has has a you know yeah. a notice out. Noah, Noah and Molly have to figure out a way to get past security. <laughs> oh my god, there's so much wrong with they this. They have oh. to figure out a way to slip past TSA. So Noah comes up with this brilliant plan. Brilliant. Apparently, there was a VIP way into certain airports that you can contact it's like a private company that tr- like just waves you through airports which security. i'm pretty sure is not a thing you i don't know this but anyway so part b of the plan in order to obscure who molly is they pretend she is natalie portman <laughs> oh my god all right my favorite Legit, part they they, they, pretend, yep. they try to pretend and, she is natalie and, portman because like, she apparently looks like natalie portman wasn't he like yeah i suppose this, this is glenn beck's hint in case they want to cast the overton window movie yeah i guess which there is a screenplay for written That's by right. joe manday right. of parks and rec fame there is which i have not read quite yet but uh, uh, they already have the casting for molly it's it's uh, natalie portman apparently. yeah um so my favorite part of this is how good of a makeup artist noah is because he's like, yeah, you know, and, and he, he like does her eyebrows and shit. And Perfectly. Like, so that yeah. she looks like, and I was like a celebrity that's what trying to. What 28 year old dude who's like been a, you know, a, a normal macho businessman's son for his whole life. To, like, when did he learn how to do eyebrows and eyeshadow? I'd, I'm just curious. I mean, he's he's just naturally good at it or something. I mean, that just seems like a detail that, that makes zero sense to me. I actually me. have no idea how most makeup works. I know there's a foundation. And then you don't have the to use them. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. And then there's the the eye twirler thing. And then there's <laughs> yes, the... you. Yeah, we take our eyeballs out and we twirl them around, Chris. That's I'd, how that works. I'd, and we reset them, and, and they're freshly twirled. You got your blushes and there's the, a ton of shit. The pencils and the... that's what I mean. Like I've been, I've been, I've been drawing my eyebrows on for twelve years now, and I cannot imagine a man just picking up an eyebrow pencil and fucking with my eyebrows like. Good lord. Maybe if you let Noah Gardner do it. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, Chris, if you want to continue this brilliant okay, Natalie yeah, so Portman plan. so the plan is underway. They have made her up to look like Natalie Portman in disguise after, like, a night out partying with some guy or something. Isn't Natalie Portman, like, married to some... I don't know. Dude, I don't know. But, but they were like, yeah, let's put, like, a baseball cap on you and tousle your hair. Yeah, and, you know, put sunglasses on and make her look like she's been on a bender or something yeah, for yeah. a couple of days. Just, you know, sacrifice Natalie Portman's image for the yeah. sake of... Poor Natalie Portman. I wonder what she feels about this. Anyway, so they get whisked away into, like, these private areas for like rich people only airport security which is not real there's still a tsa agent in the vip room or whatever or something so there's a hitch in the plan because (laughs) no one notices that the tsa agent looks like a dork yeah like literally he just he goes like oh this guy looks like such a dork he's gonna know what star wars is which natalie portman has starred in for the uh yeah the the prequel uh, trilogy yeah dude the the like so this is a giant hitch in his plan and then there yeah because he will definitely know who natalie portman is yeah and then so the tsa agent happens to notice molly's bracelet no her necklace her necklace oh yeah it's like a crucifix or something Mm -hmm. because you know apparently molly is religious the whole group by the way founders keepers is religious they they mentioned like oh we have we have an imperative from god yeah which is a really weird thing for glenn beck to put in his book for a group i'm assuming he's trying to paint a sympathetic yeah it's like they have divine rights from the whole every time they brought the constitution it's it divine was always divine right, right. it's yeah. divine right from our creator our god that like law can't supersede or something right. so they're a religiously 
I suppose, extremist group if they're doing this nuke thing. Again, I'm not sure if they're yeah, connected. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Maybe anyway. Molly is just trying to rush to save Danny. I thought that's what she was doing. I or, thought she was something. trying to stop it, but Yeah, I but don't she know. is off to Las Vegas for an FBI sting op to save Danny or something, even though he's in on the op. So it's not like he would be arrested. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway. I, I, anyway. So anyway, so Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman uh, is wearing this crucifix. Is wearing this crucifix. So the and guy, this nerd. He notices that. He notices this and he's like, oh, Miss Portman, I thought you were Jewish. So and, and then at this, this point, we're supposed like to chapter, go, oh, yeah, shit. This is, this is a chapter ending yeah. right here where it's like, oh, God, I hear the metal. No, actually, it's when the metal detector goes off. Yeah, yeah. So not when he notices that, oh, I thought you were Jewish. It's when the metal detector goes off for her necklace or something. Yep. And then the way Molly gets oh, around man. this Makes no is sense. to say, these aren't the droids you're looking for. But in like a sexy way. She like walks up to him and tips her sunglasses down. It's more like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. And or then like signs a fake like autograph for him. Yep. And it works. Yeah. This isn't... Why does this work if the, ner- if the security guard... Oh, and then she says, the force is strong in this one. Right. If the security guard was suspicious that this wasn't Natalie Portman, why would reciting a line from a movie and signing a signature convince him enough? I mean, here's how I feel about this. Like, some part of me is like, yeah, some some people are dumb enough to be taken by something like that. But if you're a TSA agent... Ah, I don't know. You're probably not that gullible. They don't hire, like, the top-tier people for TSA agents or anything... But One would think he would have more pause. He would give more pause. I, you know. I don't care how dumb you are. If you are suspicious of the person not being the celebrity you are a fan of and assume it was, yeah. you would probably look deeper than if right. they just said a line from a movie in a sexy voice. Oh, by the way, neither of them have passports. Just going to put that out there. Oh, yeah. They don't even bother with that. Neither of them have passports. They just waltz into the rich yeah. people room. And, and he mentions that, too. He's like, whoa, there's no way we can get a passport. So we went this way. It's like... Dude, no matter how rich you are, like, you still can't fly without a passport. But it's Natalie Portman. Yeah, but no. But it's it's maybe not Natalie Portman, but eh, she said the word from the yeah. movie. She said the word from the movie at me, and uh. she, like, looked at me in the eyes. That gives me a chub, so I'm going to let you through. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This plan is... Definitely one of the weirder parts of the book. Um, I it, it's, it goes off without a hitch. Yep. Somehow on a private, they get on a private plane, which is somehow already waiting for them. I don't really know. Um, or or were they? Like or, were they on a private plane or were they on a commercial flight? I fr- it. It was a small plane because no one mentions how like the pilot might as well have just shouted out that out at the cockpit. Oh, that's them. right. Yeah. So they. Had so it's a, a small plane. Private plane already there. Like I, I don't. Th- I don't think it was supposed to be private because he mentions that it was a weird thing that there was no one else on the flight. Did Maybe he it's just that? yeah. It's like it, you know the flight was to them. I, I forget. Anyway, they're on this know. small flight to Las Vegas for Natalie Portman. I assume maybe it was yep. Natalie Portman's private charter jet that they stole or something. No, I don't think that's what and, it is. Or, you know, I think there's just too many plot holes here, and we're just trying to fill them in. But anyway. Anyway, so yeah, like all this ha- happens slightly before the nuke happens because yeah, Noah and Molly there. get there just after, after the thing goes off, but they're far enough away where they just they can see it. But there's a shock wave, of course, yeah. but it's not enough to murder them, obviously, or something. Somehow. Because yeah. then, immediately after the nuke goes off, Noah's taken in. 
Yep. Arthur comes in and says, Argle Blargle, you ruined my plan. It was supposed You're to go off. You're the worst son ever, you fucking pansy. It was pansy, supposed to go yeah. off in a city so that my Overton windows people. could be moved quicker. Yeah, and 30 million people could die. Although, once sake. again, if you're such a good PR firm, couldn't you spin any weird nuke going off? Well, without... that's, what, that's what they're doing now because it went off in the wrong place. Now they're spinning it. Yeah, so it. it's not even really a problem. Why is he so mad? Because my son's a fucking pussy. That's honestly kind of what it amounted to. That's why he was so mad. Because remember, they torture him for a while. Oh, yeah, they waterboard him, of course, which yeah. is the only torture that Glenn Beck knows about, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, Noah... It, it kind of glosses over it, honestly. It's like, yeah, and then they waterboarded him, and he <laughs> tried to say whatever he could say, but they kept waterboarding him. They didn't even they didn't even call it water, water waterboarding. It they, was very clearly waterboarding. I know it was, but they didn't They, just, they didn't use the word, um, but we knew what we all knew Yeah, didn't they also electrocute him? Yeah, they, that's at the after he has a talk. Arthur talks to Noah after he's boarded a little bit. Yeah. And he's like, I can't believe that uh, you would do all this crap and like yeah. fall in love with this woman. I can't. You, you fell for her trick. She's been involved with. Yeah. This and stuff then he, and that's so when long. that's when he reveals that Molly was, you know, sent as um, as a mole and that she was dressed up to look like a picture of his mom and that he was totally taken in by, you know, a mirage, basically. Before this, like, Noah kind of knew this at certain points. Like, he was sure – because he'd, he'd already been betrayed once by Molly yeah, after the drugging. Yeah, when she drugged him. Yeah. But he's fine with her after. In fact, tells her yeah. that he loves her. When does he say he loves her? He, a couple of times. Remember, he's like, I love you. And she's like the classic movie line, I know. Like, the, well, that's, the that's biggest from, cop out. That's from like, Star Wars, too. That's why they did that. All right. That's yeah. true. I, I, I guess yeah. I missed that one. But still – it's he says that to her. Oh, that's right. I forgot about and, that. Yeah. And he, so apparently he's fallen in love with this woman who has drugged him and yep. not had sex with him. Yep. And just cuddled up with him a little bit yep. weird in, in a car. Yeah, because this makes sense. This is how my life works. You know, I he's fall in love with people that so drug me. so in love me. with this woman, even yeah. though he's some he's had other women that he met. By the way, no female male relationships go real well in this book. There's divorces all around. Right. No one's together with anyone. I'm kind of into that, though. I kind of like that. <laughs> you kind of <laughs> like the misery. I, no, I, I, I like I guess that it's, it's real. But there's got to be someone in your life that maintained a relationship. Right, no. it's weird to be have no one in your life. I guess in the plot of the book, there's no one, but women don't hang around. It's usually the women that leave. Yeah, because women are fucking bitches, Chris. Yeah, well, I get that's the overarching point. Bitches ain't nothing but tricks and hoes, right? Hoes and tricks. Whatever, Paris, get it right. <laughs> My God, I'm just saying. I don't know. I actually kind of like that. The norm so is you the have fractured relationship. Bad opinion of women. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, obviously, I was kidding with what I just said. Um, but yeah, there's not really any sort of relationships that go well, and the one that does go well, the one that's central to the story, is it's it's a mirage. Although I don't get if Molly actually ended up liking him. She, I think she reciprocates it later or something. Like, but with body language, she doesn't say it, but it says like. Noah gets the feeling that she gave him a look that says "I love oh, you." Oh yeah, no, which you know, I feel like said, is in his own head or something. Yeah, because she says something, but he can't hear her because he's jumping out of a moving vehicle. Oh yeah, he rolls out of a car <laughs> shortly before That's the right. news goes off for some reason. Yeah, but I don't know why he gets out of the car. I have no yeah, he's idea. He's traveled all this way with her, but then he's like, and "Nah, he's bitch, like, nah, peace. fuck it, I'm out," yeah. and he bails. Yeah, I think I yeah, it's like I can't figure out if he was like this isn't for me or if he was like no we have to separate so i can help you continue this which is which would make more sense plot wise but honestly i really can't tell but yeah it's like oh she slows the car down but then he rolls for quite some time when he gets out of the car so clearly the car was still traveling at quite a speed he just like you know wanted to 
do it a couple more times. It's fun. Rolling yeah. is fun sometimes. Yeah, rolling on the asphalt in the hot desert is fun. It might have been a hill. Um, you ever roll down a hill? It wasn't a hill. It's the desert. It's Nevada. Oh, yeah. It was well, not a hill. A dune? <laughs> sand dune no there's no roads on sand oh my god all right anyway <laughs> um i don't know yeah, not so a geography anyway, major any- <laughs> not an english major not nope. a math major not nope. a poli sci major nope. none of these things nope. none of those I, things i'm the list i need to start keeping track here because i'm yeah. already forgetting yeah anyway so not, there's not much of this book left honestly because yeah no one gets tortured by both waterboarding arthur tells him what a puss he is yeah and then he electroshock therapy yeah I think, not I really think therapy so. just shocks the shit out of him a bunch <laughs> yeah, of times. This, yeah this is not therapeutic until noah <laughs> recites a poem that he had fr- it's a rudyard kipling poem yeah that his dad framed one time it, like as the only- no that he had copied for a penmanship exercise at school oh, that he okay. had framed okay. for okay. his dad yeah, i guess so and like his dad still isn't having it because that's the end of the book is him saying this line. No, but yeah, but he was well, like... Well, that's the end of the chapters because it's the epilogue after yeah, this. Yeah, but he lets him live because remember he said he was going to kill him. But oh, then yeah. he starts saying the poem and he's like, oh, I knew my son was in there somewhere. And he still yeah, doesn't really I like him because the epilogue is Noah gets like holed up doing like the bullshit work for Arthur's grandmaster plan of taking over the world. Yeah, and it's like in a weird even prison going facility. Really, like, it's not move, it hasn't moved forward at all. So we're kind of at the same point we were at the start of the book. Yep. So nothing really happens except for like a nuke going off in the middle of the desert and Noah getting drugged in a weird car ride. Yeah. And a weird escape sequence. It's um, yeah, yeah. You're we're basically right back where we started. The PR firm like has to... Yeah, man. It's like the, I don't know, futility Nothing really of ha- life. By dude. the way, I found out today there's a sequel to this book oh, starring Molly Ross God. called The Eye of Moloch, which is after oh, this because you see what Jesus. happens. Noah isn't sure that Molly is dead. He's working in like the bowels of the PR firm doing he bullshit. He knows she's not dead. He finds out. Yeah, exactly. That's the end of the book is he well, pulls. Or he, she could be dead. Someone could have just severed her hand, man. He pulls her bracelet out of a peach, peach cobbler, cobbler pie <laughs> that is given to him in a ro- I, Is he in like business prison okay, or something? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, he's in like a, a business person. Yeah, he's yeah. in like he can't leave or something. Yeah, it's like reform business person. His school. dad puts him under business arrest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. At the beginning, did you not think he was like in a psychiatric facility? Because that's what I thought. What? And then what? And then he starts. What? Well, the way it's described. But then he starts talking. No, about... he's in like the meeting. Like he's in the in the firm before he goes to get his tootsie roll to go off to the meeting. He's just in his office or something. No. He's not in his office. He's in a room with a glass window that he that and he was like, "Oh, I got downgraded from like the nicer apartments upstairs to this because I fucked up that that yeah, piece." Shitty, he got a shitty office. It's his office. No, it's not an office. Someone bring is bringing him food on a tray and there's a door with a glass window and he's not supposed to talk to the this aides that are bringing him book, food. Though. Yeah, it's but the not beginning an of the book, this is not what's happening. No, exactly. Oh, that's what I was in the beginning of the book. Before, yeah, he goes just to get normal office. Okay. Right. now it's like confused. office. Yeah, prison. no, now he's in business prison. Yeah, I, I still can't. Where he it just out. has to file TPS reports all day, and like he has to come up with like random names for new government departments or something. Which I guess is that's how the government comes up with their names. They yep. outsource it to business prison labor. <laughs> yeah, I still. Like no, he, it's actually hilarious. He comes up like with, with fraud. For, it's the federal resource allocation and underwriting department. Wow, you remembered that. Yeah, Good I, job. I looked it up shortly before the podcast, oh, okay. but right. it's, it turns out to be the, the acronym is fraud, which is like, oh, I totally didn't mean to come up with that. Yeah, but, and it's ha, like, come ha, on, dude. Ha, ha, come well, on. you know, go crazy in business prison. Yeah, I guess. But that's the end of the book. Yeah, he like finds he the bracelet. In the peach the cobbler, which He's I don't know. He's in business prison. 
and then and oh yeah and the 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 guy that gives it to him is like the orderly that's bringing him his i'm saying orderly because it seems like he's in yeah, a fucking no, he, mental he's bringing hospital him food on a tray yeah and stuff and then he like you know chokes him into the room and is like don't worry you know you still have friends or something like we're gonna help you there's, out what? there's no physical altercation yeah doesn't he like push him into the room no, he hands him his tray politely and nicely, I'm pretty sure. No, he shoves him into the room and shuts the door so nobody can see them talking because they're not supposed to talk. I thought he politely entered the room and turned the radio up so that no one could... I don't remember it being polite. Okay, maybe I'm imagining a little bit of physical yeah. violence that didn't happen. But, but I don't know. That's besides the point. Anyway. Anyway, the bracelet and the peach cobbler was that's, hilarious. That's the ending shot. The end, like, you know, the final shot of the movie. That yeah. this would be, it would just be like the bracelet covered in like... Oh, he washes it off a little bit. Peach goo, yeah. Before he, I, I don't understand how you wouldn't notice it's the bracelet before you wash the yeah, peach cobbler I don't, off. I don't like, It'd be a much more compelling <laughs> shot if it was like covered in like <laughs> some peach cobbler or something. Yeah, but that's the Overton window. Yeah, that's so. A guy goes to a PR meeting. He meets a lady that doesn't have sex with him, <laughs> and then a nuke goes off in the desert. And only two people really die. The end. Actually, four all, people because all those four, five, those, six. Those four dudes got yeah. Smoked. So six people die. I guess that's a fair amount. You know, it's a tighter spy thriller. It's not like everyone... Well, 30 million Um, were supposed to die. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I guess my... I don't know. What are your closing comments or thoughts on this? You know, it's... Would we recommend it? Probably not. Like, unless, like, you're the... Like, a real genre fiction type who is really, really into any spy thriller. Or perhaps if you don't... If you don't like the idea of government overreach, because boy, is that harped on a whole lot, is yeah, the government the whole, overreaching the and having thing. these plans for everybody and the elite ruling class thinks they have a better idea than you and you're all the useless sheep and they're so evil for thinking that way, which, you know, I can agree with to a certain yeah, point, but too. it seems like anyone in any – it's weird how – on the one hand, it, it wants to maximize individualism. It, it's, a, it's a book that prioritizes individualism. Right. But Arthur Gardner, the ultimate individual who is very self-made and everything, is the evil guy. Yep. So I don't. I'm not unsure. Like, is it just like you have to reach a certain point of individualism before you become evil? Or no, I think it, it just, just wasn't thought through. I think. Um, honestly, I feel like I was so pleasantly surprised by this book. The writing wasn't awful. Um, yeah, there were it there wasn't were parts like where I was like a bad fan fiction or anything. Yeah. Either Glenn or Kevin Balf or Balf or, or all any these, of the other people. All the people, um, whoever, however, who wrote much of whatever you know, yeah. my words got mixed there, but it's okay. Whoever wrote what, it, it's competently done. Yeah, it wasn't. I thought it was going to be a total. Not any real deep but... themes or anything. We're not like I yeah. Mean, I mean, everything is like, fed to you on a government platter. overreach and like yeah. a little bit of action here and there. But the real theme, obviously, is just there's evil people that want to control you, and they might do some evil shit in the pursuit of their individual ambitions. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I kind of would recommend that people read it. Um, not maybe really? not maybe not. But, I mean, obviously, you have to come at it from a certain viewpoint. I don't know if I would have got through the whole – not to interrupt you, but I don't know if I would have got through the whole thing if I didn't have Mm. to read it for this. Yeah, you know what? I I think I might agree with you. But but I feel like because I did, I have some weird sympathy for Glenn Beck now. Really? Which is is a strange feeling. I kind of feel – No, I just feel like I need another shower even though I just took one. But I don't know. What's the root of your sympathy? Because he made points that I, well, maybe not he, but there were points that I agreed with. And like some of the footnotes in the back were articles that I've, I think I've actually referenced in oh, papers yeah, they're, no, before. They're, they're, yeah, they're so, legitimate 
sources in the appendix yeah, and whatnot. You know, it's not so just guess, like freerepublic.com article yeah, slash one five four three. Well, that's what, that's what I was expecting. Or like Matt Drudge report. I mean, there's probably yeah. a Drudge report in there somewhere. I haven't yeah, looked at the anyway, whole thing. But. but anyway, I guess um, it's made me a little more tolerant of Glenn Beck. And I think that maybe that's a well. Obviously, a he's trying to be a little more moderate to appeal to a yeah. bigger audience here, but it's it's a conservative, yeah. Minded but then I book. just remember that what is it like eight minutes of him talking about the Wizard of Oz, and then that all just goes to shit. So I don't know. Read it if read it if you want to take think... it with a grain of salt and laugh a lot because it's it's pretty terrible as a book. But it wasn't as terrible as we thought it would be. Yeah, well, yeah. It's we, still terrible. We, we aren't Don't completely get me wrong. in the gutter here. We've got to yeah. start light here. Yeah. We're still figuring stuff out here. I'm not sure how the audio is going to turn out on this podcast. Yeah. This is our first, like, probably second or third take going through it. We had a, one or two false starts. But <laughs> I'm not sure how this audio is going to go. I'm going to do my best mixing job. I am not a sound engineering major. Oh, yeah. Let's keep going. Major, let's keep going. Not an English major. keep going. Not a poli-sci major. Not a math major. Geography. Not a geography major. I think maybe history in there. Yeah, you know. I, I forget all exactly. All those things you're not. I am not any of those things. <laughs> Just a simple man, simple musician who sometimes likes to read books that might be terrible. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us um, in our discussion of The Overton Window by Glenn Beck. Um, uh, yeah, that concludes our first shot at this. Yeah. Maybe we'll be back some other time with another book. We don't know when. I'm not sure what the timing on this is going to be. We'll probably set up something for people to like send us suggestions. Because if you have a suggestion yeah, we, we'd love suggestions. for a terrible book, um, there's nowhere to tell us about it right now. Yeah, so, so I'm so not sure. Gonna... <laughs> Maybe I'll append this with a yeah. description of where to send your terrible books or terrible book requests or something um, like that. But so, for now, we'll set something up eventually. Um, this is already going on about an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, damn. So All right. Well, thanks, it's everybody. It's a podcast we don't do very often. It's good to have it go on this long. I mean, one of my favorite podcasts, The Giant Bombcast, is about yeah. three hours long. I know. At a time I can't usually. get enough They do that, that weekly. So, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Maybe you should read this book by Glenn Beck. If you like a thriller that has conspiracy leanings and you're conservative a little bit and you sure like your gun rights, yeah. maybe read this book. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, thanks for joining the Terrible Book Club, where, uh, you get to listen to us and don't have to read the terrible books.